This is a post-Christian podcast. Okay. I'm now recording. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> I have so many regrets. <laughs> uh, okay, um, I'm Caleb. This is going to be released, just so you know also, Marie, mm. as uh, both a Sacred Collective and Air of Grievances I was wondering what the difference was. There. Yeah, so Air Grievances is a podcast that I do by myself that's pretty much just interview-based. Okay. And then Sacred Collective is like a group uh, podcast that I that I do that Brian started that he kind of brought me in on to produce and, and do the, uh, you know, the audio and, and production stuff for. Um, so are you, is that cool with you? I don't care. Okay. Okay, cool. So I'm, I'm Caleb. I'm here with Marie Delafont. Yes, that's literally how you pronounce it. Yep, try to get as nasally as possible. Yep, Delafont. Uh-huh. You can drop a few consonants at the end too. Probably. Yeah, just d. D. Yeah. Um, and you're with Everyone's Agnostic Podcast. I am. I'm the co-host since November. Okay, cool. So it's you and Cass, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. The show's cool. been around five and a half years, almost six now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's not based here in Minnesota. Nope, he's in Nashville. In Nashville. Yep, yeah. yep. So we record remotely, obviously. Uh-huh. So. That's near my stomping grounds. I was born and raised in Kentucky. Oh, really? In okay. the Bible Belt. Okay. Yep. How fun for you? Mm-hmm. How fun? How fun? Yeah, like it would have been like a forty-five minute drive to the uh, Creationist Museum. Oh, which is all scientific. Don't worry. No, I'm not worried. Yeah, at all. it's all very yeah. factual, mm-hmm. you know, historical stuff. Mm-hmm. There, are no bias. At all there. So no, good. or yeah. really scary people that are in no, charge yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. His face is disturbing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe you could, we could just kind of ease in and then I'd like to just kind of let conversations go where they go. I mm-hmm. don't have any questions or anything like that pre- pre-written down or anything. Um, maybe you could just kind of tell our listeners about uh, about everything's agnostic and everything, then we can just... Everything is everything. agnostic. Everything's Agnostic. agnostic. <laughs> And so is everyone, uh-huh. which is the name of your podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I didn't name it that. Uh-huh. So a lot of people, like when I come on shows, they're like, can you explain that to me? Because mm-hmm. it's a very, um, very strong statement. And I'm like, you're right. I didn't name it mm-hmm. that. Show. Do you think it's really that strong of a statement? Um, we do have a troll um, on Twitter that constantly is like attacking us for saying the word agnostic and like lectures us about what it means and i just muted him interesting (laughs) okay i don't care (laughs) why is that troll mad about it is it is it because i don't i don't is it is it too does that he says we're not using it right i see okay it's not that he doesn't think that everyone's agnostic it's just that he thinks that we're using it the wrong way and then he like cites some philosopher who uses it he's like if you're using it in the way then this is what that means and how is that even possible and i'm like mute Mm -hmm. yeah because i I just don't really care like i don't really want to debate people about Mm -hmm. i really just don't care yeah Mm -hmm. not what i'm here for Mm -hmm. so so what's what's your all's main uh main like subject matter i guess what what's the focus of the right so basically everyone's agnostic for the last five years has been um a space for people to share their stories of deconversion Mm -hmm. and that's it's specifically meant to speak to speak with nobody nobody's in quotation marks Mm -hmm. like people that you don't know 
talk about a topic that nobody wants to talk about, which is deconversion or deconstructing your faith, which, you know, we're in Minnesota. Nobody wants to talk about anything except for the weather and the traffic. (laughs) Very true. So construction sometimes, which is, which is adjacent to traffic. Correct. Yes. And so we created it. Cast created it as a platform to share those stories and to be a place where people could go to feel a little less crazy mm. and less alone. Um, so I kind of see it as <clears throat> three faceted in that in the interviews, we touch on people's histories, where they've come from, mm-hmm. what they've gone through, their deconversion process. Um, and the more and more of those I listen to, the more they uh sound the same mm. which isn't a problem but all of our all of our stories are kind of relatively the same there's maybe like a couple different versions of how we deconvert or the shit that we went through mm. and then so we talk about that but then i think what i like focusing on the most and what i think people get the most out of is now what like mm. how am i doing now like how is this still affecting me? What am I still carrying on to? What am I struggling with? And then furthermore, what does the future look like? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be processing trauma from from religion for the rest of my life? Yeah. Or do I establish a new way of being? Like you have moved on to Revolution Church. Mm-hmm. You found a new way to be human and to find purpose and to to engage with the world. And so I think that's a step that some people have a hard time um, moving into as they're processing their trauma. It's hard to imagine what the world looks like um, after they've gotten through that shit. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have this three pronged approach of talking about the past, what's happening now, and then how do we move forward? Um, So that's basically the show, just interviewing people, talking about lots of different stuff, Mm -hmm. but always related to, um, deconstructing faith. Okay. Yeah. What was your process of deconstruction? Oh, yeah, I know. A, I know. Man. When I said it, I was like, "That's a massive fucking question." It's. I can. I mean, I can do a thirty-second version. I can do a five-minute version. I can do an hour version. I can do a five-day version. Uh-huh. There's a lot of versions, but um, essentially, for me, I was born religious in a religious uh-huh. family, Christian. We were Lutheran. Okay. We went to North Heights. See, I can say these names because you'll know maybe where they are. Ish. North Heights is in Arden Hills, and then they had a sister church in Roseville. Okay. So they're like Lutheran-y okay. and like not super crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my friend across the street started – I'm just going to name these places. Go for I don't it. give a fuck at this Yeah, if point. you don't care, then I don't care. Nah. They, she went to Calvary um, mm-hmm. in also in Roseville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're called just Calvary now. Um and that used to be General Baptist Conference. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I think that doesn't exist anymore. It's become a new denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they started a sister church in White Bear Lake. None of this matters to the listeners who are not in Minnesota, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm just so excited to be like, hate them. Yeah. <laughs> hate them because they're just over there. Uh-huh. Um, so I went to those churches and the Lutheran churches weren't so bad, but – the General Baptist Conference was a lot more fundamentalist. Yeah. They weren't fire and brimstone, but they were like, if you're gay, that's a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I was I was born in '82, mm-hmm. and so uh, like I'm in high school in the mid to late '90s, where uh, purity cor- culture was being pushed a lot. Oh yeah. 
So I went through, oh, I went through all of that. <laughs> I'm just very gesture yeah. <laughs> I went through all that shit. Um, I read True Love Waits. Oh, boy, um, yeah. I got in Did it. you have a pure during ever? I couldn't afford one. Okay. Mm, but you wanted one. <laughs> There's something ironic about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I did want one. Um, I did sign the True Love Waits pledge twice, twice. and failed. But that's further along in the story. Mm-hmm. And... You know, when you get born again, again, you, you can b- renew your virginity card. I know. I, yeah. I have a friend who's a born again virgin. Yeah. I wish I didn't know that term, but I'm very well acquainted with it. And let's just talk about hymens for a second here. So <laughs> irrelevant to virginity. Uh-huh. Anyway, also, men. Oh, God. Okay. I can't we're, even go We're there. getting in over our heads right now. <sighs> so many, we'll get there. So many Let's feelings. just take one at a time. So many feelings. Okay. So... Purity culture fucked up. Um, I started doubting when I was 13, when I was just entering my freshman year in high school. Mm -hmm. And I mostly went to religious schools. And so Mm. I was in a bubble. I was going to church all the time. I was going to my religious churches all Mm -hmm. the time. My family was religious. My everything was Christian. And uh, so when I was 13 and starting to doubt, I didn't really have a lot of examples. Mm -hmm. Um, around me of what could what, what would it be like if i if i didn't believe what other options are there and so I, I wanted to go that way but at the same time i had been fed a couple of things such that like uh one you're a piece of shit mm-hmm. and you can't think for yourself anything that you think of is shit especially anything that's against god or against the bible that's all shit mm-hmm. because you know, the devil is messing with you and trying to tempt you. And also you're a piece of shit and a sinner and your heart is deceitful and you, it's a wicked thing and you can't mm-hmm. trust it. Like original sin type stuff. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Yeah. You, you need a savior. Right. And so they set you up for that to be dependent upon the religion because you, they set you up to not believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And especially as a woman in the faith, it is especially compounded on, on us. And so I um, had a really hard time leaning into that yeah. and like following that wherever that went. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I ask, were you fully buying into that up until the point that you were 13? Was that just like, did you just well, kind of assume that? those are some weird that? years, but yeah, yeah I did. Mm-hmm. I did believe all of it, yeah. you know? I really only started questioning it around that age. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I didn't, I, I didn't want to leave, but I was scared to leave. Mm-hmm. And so... Like those four years in high school was just kind of like up and down, up and down because it was very emotional for me and mm. uh, a compounding factors. I have an anxiety and panic disorder. Uh-huh. And so not only am I considering if God is not real, I'm also considering, am I going to hell? Yeah. That does not play well with anxiety. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so yeah. like mm-hmm. it was really traumatic to be considering these choices and considering these options and not trusting myself and then, and then kind of feeling like I had to double down. Mm-hmm. So a lot of high school was just like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm an atheist. Ah! And then everyone wants to debate me because I'm in a Christian bubble. Right, yeah. So I'm just getting emails all day long. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, hey, mm-hmm. what questions do you have about the Bible? Right. Let's rip it out. Yeah, Let's yeah, do it yeah. right it's here, a, right it's now. It's apologetics, which is like a whole culture, really. Like, oh, we have an answer to any question oh, yeah. you could have. Yeah, you it's just let tap. me know. Let you us just, know. I've got it all yeah. figured out. Don't mm-hmm. you worry about yeah. it. Yeah, fucking mm-hmm. fuckity fuck. But yeah, so people wanted to debate me, and I was like, 
first you have to prove that there's a god and then you have a whole lot of work after mm-hmm. that to prove and that, that god specifics. is this character that's presented to you in these scriptures there's a, there's a lot of burden yeah. on them to do that and so i just kept on getting frustrated and hitting my head against the wall yet at the same time feeling still pulled towards the religion because of my dependency on it um so so i internalized all that I internalized the shame of mm. not for of it not making sense to me and as I said, I kept doubling down. So like in my junior year, I did a missions trip in the summer. I, I moved up to Pelican Rapids, Minnesota, which is by like Fergus Falls. Okay. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> it's like three hours away from here. Okay. And so I lived there for the summer and like helped at a church and shit, like all on my own. It was my idea Cereal. because about doubling like, like really, I, that I, I felt like I, I really, I really am point. trying God. Like I'm right. really trying. And yeah. that's like the, mm-hmm. the motto. Stop it with the mic thing. That was like position if you want. Nah, I'm going to yeah. That was like the motto of those years. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super serial guy. Yeah. Like I'm really, really trying. Like, yeah. what if I do this? If I do uh-huh. this, will you help like me? Like a work keep based kind of like like how do I how do I er, 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 earning so the love? Acts, it's not acts based, but uh-huh. it's like, like I felt like my failure to believe in him was because he was testing me mm-hmm. or something, and then I was just like yeah. I had to prove that I was. I don't know worthy. I don't know if it was worthy or what, but. Um, I have a friend who went through um, gay conversion therapy. Oh God! Who, who checked himself into it? Yeah. And actually, it's when this episode releases, it will it will actually be the episode right before it. Yeah. So it kind of ties in a little a little bit, but for him, it was like I want to be loved by God, but I am flawed. I am broken, and so how do I fix that? And so he he took the prescriptions, you know, he took the, the remedies that were prescribed to him yeah. as, as of like, I have to check myself into conversion therapy. I have to pray. I have to follow these workbooks. I have to read all this literature. And like, obviously it didn't work. Yeah. Ob- I mean, that goes He's without gay. saying he's a gay man. The end. Yeah. The end. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he, so then he's faced with, with all this guilt, like, and, and like you said, shame and things like that. And that doesn't obviously just apply to people in, in that, you know, in that spectrum or, or, or who are dealing with that specifically, but just this idea that you are broken. And so this is the, the fix for it. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and you have to live in, in shame. And honestly, it's not even a, a full fix because you have to keep going back to it again and again. Yeah. Cause, I mean, that's, that's the essential issue that I have with their views on sex because they're telling you not to do this thing that you're absolutely going to do. Right. They take this one thing about humanity that is guaranteed and they say, you can't do that. Mm hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Right. Like, if you get them invested in your belief system, they're going to be dependent upon you. They're mm-hmm. going to be shamed. They're going to come to you all the time. So, like, that's how they get you. Um, but yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's why I kind of kept coming back because I, I felt like I had to prove something that I had to prove myself to God that mm-hmm. there was something that I had to achieve in order to to make the faith sink in. Yeah. So, when I graduated from high school in two thousand. Um, I had very poor self-esteem and and boys were terrifying just horrible horrible but I liked all of them and 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 then then I thought I was like really dumb and so I was like there's no way that I can go to college also I still don't really know if God exists or not and I should probably like address that mm. and also if God exists he's definitely coming back to the earth in my lifetime <laughs> so like if that's true then I definitely feel like the best thing to do right now would be go to missionary school mm. like, wow okay yeah to to 
just really just douse myself in religion and just say, like, I'm giving my entire life to God. Like, mm-hmm. I, I will do this for the rest of my life. I will go to this discipleship training school mm-hmm. and I will I will try to just absorb all of it and yeah. and see if it will finally start making sense because I felt like there's no way that God could look at me and say, well, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I gave up my life. I gave up life in the U.S. I gave up uh, college and I just moved to Mexico where I didn't know anyone in order to be <laughs> indoctrinated, really. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. and to put myself out there and like talk to strangers and stuff mm-hmm. about God. Um, so that's what I ended up doing. I moved to Mexico. I did a discipleship training school mm. with YWAM, with, which is Youth with a Mission. Oh, yeah, okay. They are all across the world. They're non-denominational, but my version of it was very charismatic, very assembly mm-hmm. of God, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. above and beyond yeah. anything I'd experienced. Non-de- non-denominational, a lot of times, I feel like it's just... Another word for Pentecostal. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's just a. That's my experience with it. Anyway, that's fair. I mean, that could be. I don't know anymore. I don't. I'm not privy to this. Sure, sure, sure. They don't tell me things anymore because I'm atheist. (laughs) They don't tell you things. You don't get the newsletter anymore. anymore. (laughs) It's because I unsubscribed. Right. Spam. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I did for two years. Uh I was down there and um, did the discipleship training school thing and really got galvanized because like mm. you're out in the streets and you're like mm-hmm. praying over people, oh, wow. putting uh, hands on people, oh, like telling your testimony and like very sensational wow. things. Mm-hmm. And this is while you were doubting? You were, you were uh, still... At this particular, at those six months, uh-huh. those six months, yeah. I was not doubting. Okay. I was super psyched mm-hmm. by this mystical version, okay. this magical, miraculous yeah. version of Christianity mm-hmm. that I hadn't really known in mm-hmm. white Midwest, uh, boring casserole basement Lutheran thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. My, my family's shit. <laughs> this is the problem that my family is lukewarm and God has spit them out of his mouth and uh-huh. this is this is the problem uh-huh. do you mean casserole or hot dish we have to clarify that i don't know mm. both of them i, I use them interchangeably <laughs> yeah. like i just i don't know i'm sorry to interrupt please that's it okay that was joke. it was a very important Distinct, clarification yeah. uh-huh. and i honor that thank you yes and um yeah so after that i came back home and this would have been spring of 2001 mm. and i was like legit going back Gonna gonna work there. Gonna mm. be missionary. Gonna marry Mexicans. Stay forever. Okay. The end. Okay. Convert all the Mexicans. Okay. So this is the plan. So I worked at Starbucks over the summer, made the money, and then, <laughs> oh, and then in August of two thousand and one, mm-hmm. I flew to India because my older sister was getting married. Okay. Um, in, to an Indian, mm-hmm. and while I was there, <laughs> I had another faith crisis. Just randomly, mm. which now I realize is actually an anxiety episode. Oh. But let's just not pay attention to that. Let's mm-hmm. just say it's God and devils and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, At that point, that's I, I, what you assumed it sounds like. Right. That it was, yeah. Right. And I was just so frustrated because the plan was fly back home. I have a ticket to Mexico. Go back to Mexico. Happy forever. And I thought I had nailed it down. I thought that I had figured it out by being part of this charismatic version of Christianity. Mm. It would finally sink in. Like, it would finally stick. And 
So when I was doubting in India, it was just hard. And then the World Trade Center towers got hit Mm -hmm. while I was in India. And so it just kind of felt like the world was just falling apart. It felt very apocalyptic. And um, came home, decided to go anyway. I was like, well, if there's any hope of saving me now, it's going to be down there. Yeah. So I forced myself to go to Mexico basically as an atheist mm. to work at a missionary school as staff. Wow. <laughs> I've done some very abusive things to myself mm. and that was one of them. And um so yeah, I ba- basically was an atheist for 5 of those 6 months and it was the most traumatic time I can recall mm. in my life cuz it was just really fucked up like yeah. the shit that they would it was just so much gaslighting mm. and I was trying to make it make sense. And it was just, yeah, uh, it's hard to get into. Yeah, There's sure. just a lot of very spiritual abusive things yeah. um, that they did and that I let them do. Okay. Um, Cause I felt like I had to in order mm. to make it make sense. Mm. Um, so I ended up con- reconverting back to Christianity during a very sensationalist moment okay. that I was like having a panic attack that yeah. felt like God. Okay. So in that moment, it was real to you that it was, it was God, and you're like, okay, I'm convicted again, and now I need to... I guess, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. But, yeah. uh, but now you know, you're looking, looking back, back, I'm sure. like, I was having a panic yeah, attack right. because I felt trapped, mm-hmm. and I felt so much pressure to conform. Yeah. So maybe I should have been on Wellbutrin instead of <laughs> converting, but... Yeah. So, um, yeah, I reconverted again, and then mm-hmm. came back again for another semester, mm-hmm. and then uh, worked at a summer... DTS thing in Mexicali and um, did another semester. So it's, you know, overall it's, you know, two years down there um, of ups and downs even there too. Um, But ultimately I ended up leaving because the boy that I had a crush on started dating someone. And so then that's when I realized that God didn't really actually want me there. Mm. Coincidental. Um, (laughs) So I took a Greyhound home and gave me a lot of time to think. And um, and then that kind of starts a new phase of things. But mm-hmm. it was from there that I kind of started gradually, fully deconverting mm-hmm. um, and became an atheist probably within five years, mm-hmm. four or five years or so. Mm-hmm. Like I got married. I had premarital sex. I did all the things. I know. Yeah. yeah. Pretty bad. I God mean, doesn't it listen to this good. podcast, so don't worry. He won't be mad. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, that was the that was probably the 10-minute version. Okay. I think that was what that was of um of uh my path and how I deconverted and that leads me to like 2003 or so. Okay. And then there's there was a marriage that was very distracting okay. and so didn't really work too much on that stuff at that point, mm-hmm. but yeah. When you talk about that that process of deconversion, was it just you realizing like none of this has made sense, and so I'm going to to trust my instincts and stuff, or was it, or, or was it like actual, like like oh, in that in I'm, I guess what I'm trying to articulate is, is was it you being like oh, this is all added up the whole time, or, mm. or not added up, you know the, the the facts or lack thereof have always been there, and I'm going to acknowledge that, or was it just like a oh wait in this process within this time span was like, this doesn't make sense. And then we, I, I get this piece of the puzzle also. And that doesn't make sense. Nah, it was as emotional as my journey was. The deconversion was also just as 
emotional okay. in, uh-huh. the, in that. So it's a process. I guess. Right. Okay. Like okay. I think what you're trying to get at is like a lot of people's stories um, of deconversion or deconstruction are um, led by dogma that they're uncomfortable yeah. with, that they they find themselves being like, this can't be true. And then everything topples over after right. that. It's a very rational mm-hmm. deconversion. Mm-hmm. Mine, as you can tell, as you look at my story, is very emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, which has a lot to do with just like the self uh, esteem stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just not feeling like I was uh, freed to think logically that I yeah. had to conform to the, mm-hmm. the dogma mm-hmm. and that there was really no other choice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was just this kind of gradual process of like, yeah, I don't think that this is true. Okay. So it's more of a gradual process. Then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Did, did it take a lot? Was it like also equally traumatic to, separate yourself from like the the social infrastructure of Christianity and stuff like being incubated by people who are reinforcing Christianity and and the idea of the existence of a god and stuff like that or, or do, was it easy to, to step away and find a new community for you um it's an interesting question because i know a lot of um ex christians who really mourn that yeah. who really grieve the loss of that community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and I, I'll admit that it was nice to have a community. And at the same time, when I look back, it felt very conditional. Mm-hmm. It felt um, very performative and mm-hmm. unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, yeah. And the structure of it all together felt very forced. Um, so I don't think I ever was really super bought into Mm. that that structure of community that particular structure of community mm-hmm. um so to lose and i mean i really didn't lose any community because by that point i wasn't in high school anymore mm-hmm. i wasn't going to a church anymore so i didn't have everyone i knew was in mexico i lost everyone oh okay you know so they were there that's an interesting circumstance yeah, yeah. and then they all just kind of snuffed me out when i was just like yeah having any kind of doubts then it's just everyone just kind of ignored me mm-hmm. or, you know, they would ask me for money for their missions. <laughs> like Ouch. now that I was back in the U S and making U S money, mm-hmm. they wanted my money. So that felt great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I lost my train of thought, but, um, would- yeah, I, I didn't feel that, that, that sense of a, a loss of community. Uh-huh, okay. And I think, yeah. Probably I was very lonely, which is probably why I struck up with my ex-husband um, at the time when I met him in 2003 and was just like, that was the point. That was the same point when I realized, when I figured out that my parents had had premarital sex, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. never told us. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of like, and I was like, I'm going to do that mm-hmm. because they're fucking lying about shit and telling me to be pure when if that was really true mm-hmm. and you're a parent who has done that, mm-hmm. you'd say, here's what I did. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Here's how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Here were the consequences of right. it. Just yeah, be yeah. honest yes, about it absolutely. instead of pretending right. like that's not something you did because no, mm-hmm. they did not suffer from it. They mm-hmm. did not. Yeah. So they had nothing to say. Right. But right. that's... Mm-hmm one of many complaints I have about mm-hmm. my parents and talking about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I ask you, are your parents still around? Yes. Okay. Yep. They live in Shoreview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're still married and um, yeah, they're still going on. Okay. Yeah. Do you have decentish communication? If, if this is uncomfortable no, at all, then I, I'm an open okay, book. Great. You're okay. going to figure yeah. that out pretty quickly, okay. but I'm an open book. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. We still talk. Okay. Um, we did have a pretty tense year or so about, 
nine months ago is when it stopped because I don't know how much you know about me, but I'm polyamorous. Mm -hmm. And so I came out to them as polyamorous, um, like one November, what would that have been? 2017. And then they reacted poorly. Sure. And that was the point where I decided I don't need my family. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I want to them mm-hmm. in my life, but if mm-hmm. they refuse to see my identity mm-hmm. and refuse to acknowledge that I'm an adult and that the choices that I make are ethical mm-hmm. and well thought out and mm-hmm. well researched, then they can fuck off. Mm-hmm. And that sure. was that was a good that was a good period for me. And I stopped talking to them for about a year, and then we finally reconciled a little while ago. And That's they've nice. met my boyfriends, and they've they've definitely come around and been much better. But yes, we are still talking. Okay. But it hasn't been easy. Yeah, sure, sure. So are they? They're still. Are they still where they were at spiritually when you were when they were raising you? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I don't ask them. Yeah, sure. Um, we've had. I would love to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to my mom about it sometimes, and mm-hmm. I think she's. She, I don't know. I don't really know what she. It's funny that you mentioned that because we have them on the line no! right now. Oh my God. That would be so funny. Wouldn't that be good? Oh my God, Mom. That'd be, that would be so weird. That would be They're great. in the back room. Come on out. I, w- I mean, that, that, would be, that would mean that they were willing to have a discussion about yeah. it. I would be psyched because uh-huh. I, I love talking about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, they're very Midwestern, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't, they don't talk about sex or death or... Any of the favorite things that I like to talk about. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. so it's disappointing because you can't choose your parents. And yeah. these they didn't raise me how I would have wanted to be raised. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. And now it's up to me mm-hmm. what I want to do. And so I'm doing it. Cool. Yeah. Are sex and death your two top uh, favorite topics? Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. Which one no one wants now? to talk about them. Let's talk about one of them. Which, one, right. which one should we talk about? Let's see. Uh, death. My friend is dying. Okay. His name is Dave Warnock. And he was diagnosed with ALS in March. Mm. And he's dying. He's going to die in maybe a few years. Okay. And for me, death was... Death and sex are one of the really strong holdovers from religion. Because up until my mid-20s, death didn't matter. Right, like because mm. we're going to heaven, oh, none of this yeah. matters. Right, right, right. right. So, are I'm, you familiar with the acronym uh, for, for the Bible? Basic instruction book. Basic wait, before instructions. Leaving Earth, burlap before cashmere. Burlap. Burlap to cashmere. It's a song. They sang that. Oh, really? Yeah, look it up. Basic instructions before leaving, leaving Earth. Earth, and then just uh-huh. mad guitar stuff. Okay, yeah, I'll have to great. listen to that one. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can even drop that in at the end of the episode. Yeah, here. copyright the <laughs> shit out of that. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basic instructions before, before leaving, leaving Earth. Earth. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because so, there's yeah. no death, right? Because this is a precursor. Like this is almost this like is the test. test. It's the test. This is the test. Yep, Jinx, you make up. Um, this is not going to be a very interesting podcast if I can't talk anymore. <laughs> okay, uh, I unjinx. How do Wait, I unjinx? You? Is that the Coke? Oh, it's just the Coke Jinx. Pink, uh, pinch poke, you owe me a Coke. Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't know it's that a one? different Jinx than I. Okay. Know. Okay. Okay. Now you can't talk till somebody says your name. That's the one I know. Okay, Marie. Now you can talk again. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, life saying? doesn't matter yeah. because there's an afterlife, which is perfect, and this is just a, a, a testing ground. It's like a simulation, essentially. Yeah. Like, God's going to put you through all these different scenarios, and depending on how you react to them, you're going to 
wind up eternally happy or eternally tortured. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so therefore you don't, death isn't really a problem. And that's why I was for a while. I, I fantasized martyrdom. Like I wasn't yeah. going to go and kill anyone like mm-hmm. that. Not kind of that kind of thing, but kind of fantasized, mm-hmm. you know, Columbine kids, you know, coming into my school and right. saying like, do you believe in Jesus? And I oh, would say, yes. Wow. I haven't thought about that scenario. In bring a you back. Time. Yeah. If someone put a gun to your head, Said, would you deny if, your God? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I would. I was asked that in in youth group. Yeah, you know? like that's tra- that tr- is traumatic. That is an exercise in trauma. Uh-huh. Honestly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're asking you to consider someone like killing you. Mm-hmm. It's fetishizing martyrdom. It is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so that's why, like, I mean, that's all part of this thing of not having to contend with the reality of death. Mm-hmm. And it, the finality of it, mm. and and then everything that that means for you, like mm. like now that for me death is the end, mm-hmm. this life is so short. Preach, yep. and it is it is so important to be present mm. and to be intentional mm. and mm-hmm. to honor the other lives that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're human or they're other, you know, animals, just the fact that nature brought us here. And then, and then I get into this big thing about evolution and how beautiful it is and the fact that we got here at all. And the fact that Mm. like, we've got all this stuff that does things and like our Mm. thumbs are pretty cool. (laughs) And like, just, just the awe to, to have of our own species, Mm -hmm. like, psychs me out like it's so cool but the but that's the that's the positive side Mm -hmm. of losing eternity and of losing um immortality that's that's uh, um just when i'm high like i can really just feel it a lot better and it's a little less scary but it's also scary but the downside then is you're gonna die right and i'm 37 now Mm -hmm. and like so it's hard to get comfortable with that new reality. Yeah, for like sure. If you didn't have to to contend with that until your fucking mid twenties, mm-hmm. like I feel like if yeah. you told a young child yeah. child appropriate death stories mm-hmm. as they grew up, that maybe they would be adjusted to the idea of death. Yeah, like a little bit more than I am. Mm-hmm. And so I like to talk about death because for some of us who have deconverted, deconstructed, that's a very difficult thing that still carries over that Mm -hmm. we're having a hard time adapting to Mm -hmm. um some people do it better than others for me it's really rough yeah it's really really rough Mm -hmm. to adapt to and so my friend dave is dying Mm -hmm. he um i I ended up offering to be his assistant because it's what i do for a living i'm an executive assistant and um and i was like so you're gonna be traveling a lot Mm. he's speaking on a lot of podcasts about dying out loud um, he's going to be here in uh, mid-July, and he's going to talk at the uni- uni- first Unitarian Society of Minneapolis by the Guthrie. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Not the Guthrie, the Walker. Okay. These are things nobody cares about. But Dave will be here, and he's talking about dying out loud. Well, we have Minneapolis and- listeners if you know. They can- oh, okay. Well, yeah. July th- 13th, 14th, the Sunday, mm-hmm. 10.30, um, the, the place by the walker just go to the walker and then say 
there's a dying guy <laughs> near here. Yeah. Could you point me towards I think him? there's actually an app for that. Like you have to Where's enable, the dying guy? enable the location services and then you can find for the dying closest people. dying guy. And then they'll just have mm-hmm. arrows in all directions. In all directions, yeah. Yeah, just mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> death is all around <laughs> yeah. us. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like I'm helping him and it's um it's been really triggering. Like Sure. To get that intimate with death and to hear him talk about it and to hear him talking talk about dying with dignity mm. to like he's making plans for how he's going to end his life because he's not going to let ALS do it for him. Wow. So there's um, it's it's very inspiring That's to hear him. talk. Yeah. Wow. It's he's been on a lot of shows. He's been he's been on Dogma Debate with David Smalley. He's been on Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. been on Life After God with Ryan Bell. Um, he's been on Your Atheist Pastor with Luke King. He's been on. These are all great podcasts. Yeah, these wow. are all cool. the best ones. And uh, I, so I'm his assistant. I get him booked on these shows and stuff. Um, cool. Yeah, he's really passionate about talking about his death mm-hmm. and and how he's living his life really intentionally right now. Um, and and he talks a lot about the differences between how his humanist uh, atheist community is dealing with his death. Mm. Versus those who are still Christian in mm. his life and how they're dealing with his yeah. death, the Christians don't know what to do with him, and they're they're very hands off. They don't really check in with him very much because they're uncomfortable. Yeah. A because he's going to hell. Mm. B they don't know what to say because they can't pray for him. Like he's not going to convert. Yeah. He's not. He knows what he believes. Right. He did the work. He. Um, so they are all just kind of abandoning him mm. more or less. Yeah. And whereas his atheist friends are like, they know, like, he is dying. Right. He's wow, here that's, now. It's heavy. Yeah. yeah. And he's, but he's here now. And mm-hmm. so nobody's trying to make up stories for him about how, like, there's a purpose to this or that, that at least he'll go to heaven or that God loves him mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just truly tragic. Mm-hmm is truly tragic because he only just deconverted like eight years ago Mm. and he divorced two years ago from his Christian wife. And so he's really only been living his life two years. Wow. Yeah. And now he's got ALS. And so it's truly a tragic story and it just sucks. Mm -hmm. And the atheists in his life have just been able to embrace that and just be like, this fucking sucks. Right. Let's go get a drink. Mm -hmm. When you talk about, he's only been living for two years that that kind of, in my mind makes me it, it makes me think back to you talking about um, realizing your mortality at the age of 25 mm-hmm. did, did you feel at that point that you had lost 25 years that you had assumed were part of an eternal existence and then now it's it turns out everything is material did you did you mourn those 25 years and not not no not really um, at that point I don't think I had the emotional and mental capacity yeah. to go there because mm-hmm. um, I was really busy and distracting myself with a really unhealthy marriage. And so the, a lot of the processing didn't really happen until later and recently. Mm-hmm. Like it's been happening over the last 12 years. And yeah. that's that's what I'm talking about like on our show. Like I'm, I don't – yes, we have our deconversion stories. Also, how are we processing? Like we've got this – a lot of this trauma. Mm-hmm. Some of us will call it trauma. I call it trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, that we are managing. Um, and how how do we do that? And so it didn't come all at once. Mm-hmm. Like it hasn't come all at once. It comes over periods sure. of time and sometimes it's cyclical. Yeah. So you deal with the same thing again and again but in a more profound way. Yeah. And so sometimes I only get angrier 
instead of getting like more and more peaceful about yeah. like what I went through, you would think maybe like at some point I'd be like, Oh, well I love them and it's fine and whatever. You yeah. can like let it go and release them and be gentle to them. But I just get angrier. Yeah. And so I have to hit things a lot. Um, and that's just my truth and that's just how that's all playing out sure. for me. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, just point being just like, it's, it's, it happens over time for mm-hmm. me and it didn't just happen in one moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel angry at, um, religion in the abstract or at the people that were teaching you these things? Yes. Both. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you, s- yeah. <laughs> do you see any, I, this, this kind of almost sounds like a weighted question, but I swear to God, it's not. Mm-hmm. Do you see any, um, any value maybe for others yeah. in religion? For others. Okay. For others. Okay. Like whatever works for you, just leave me right alone. Yeah, and don't I like that. Don't legislate my country mm, according yeah. to your religion, right. yeah. which is impossible for Christians to do mm-hmm. on the whole because mm-hmm. they really think that they're really, really, really right. Yeah, and so they can't compromise on that and mm-hmm. say, "Okay, fine, then you can have an abortion," because mm-hmm. that's being complicit. Right in it, yeah. So I don't think that they mm-hmm. can, but and they probably honestly, it seems to me like they they think God's taking notes on them, being like, oh, they they confronted that person like they were supposed to, or like, oh, they stood up for for these values like I wanted them to. Yeah, like they think they're constantly you know being like, evaluated by a, a sky man, you know. And that and then that and that mentality is very difficult to get rid of too. Mm-hmm. The 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 thought of that you're always being evaluated. Plus, again, compound that for me on top of being a woman in this mm. misogynist culture yeah. and constantly being um, mentally critiqued yeah. for mm. for who you are, how you present yourself, how you speak, that you, are you woman enough? Are you sexy enough? Are you whatever enough? Mm. So yeah, it, it definitely compounds. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, so that's death. So that's and death. then there's sex. And then there's sex. So sex, purity culture, right? So that was fed to me and I almost liked it because I was, like I said, I was, ter- I'm mostly straight and I was terrified of boys, mm-hmm. but I really liked boys. I definitely had like a libido and I was interested in people. I, I'm not asexual, mm-hmm. but it was a relief to have purity culture because there was a lot of discussion around like courting mm-hmm. and like, like just more formal things and more like waiting for God to kind of like make it happen for mm-hmm. you. And so it took the burden off yeah, of it take, me. It removes the responsibility and yeah. the stressor almost. Right. Yeah. And like, I even like had a drawing on my wall that was like, Jesus is my boyfriend. Oh no. Which now like that sounds really creepy. That's cringy. But I know what I meant. Like I knew what I meant that right. like, that the, the message was you, you know, you get into this relationship that is your, soulmate kind of thing where you feel loved and yeah. whatever. And that wording is just so creepy. I know. I don't believe in soulmates anymore. Yeah, anyway, sorry. No, 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 no. It's yeah. okay. But, um, um, yeah. And I think for me, God was that, that, that epitome mm-hmm. of unconditional love, mm-hmm. um, that I did not want for some man mm-hmm. to approve of me because I had God to approve of me. Mm-hmm. So I almost mm-hmm. liked purity culture in that way. However, when, <laughs> however, mm-hmm. once I started deconverting and kind of releasing all of the dogma from religion, 
like I got into this relationship with my ex-husband and we had sex before marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was still Christian at the time. I was just like, I just don't fucking care. I just kind of stopped thinking. I was just like, I just don't care. And it was horrible, like horrible sex. Like we didn't talk about it. Mm. We, you just do it. Wasn't it wasn't sexy taboo. It was just, it was like shameful taboo. I don't know if it was shameful. It's just bad sex. Just bad sex. It's just bad. Like we didn't talk about anything. And moreover, so that's, oh, <laughs> so part of the problem <laughs> is that culture doesn't teach about sex. Mm. So it's a cultural issue and it's also a religious issue. And those are also intertwined as well. Yeah, sure. So, at least in my experience, no one was talking about actual sex. No one was talking about the communication within sex. And then media always presents it like, like, he's horny and she's horny and so whoosh and they smash and then everything's happy and everyone's fine and everyone's satisfied and right. he gets off and he's just like, so did, you, did that feel good? And she's like, oh yeah. And you know, it didn't feel good. You have good. to ask, did you come? It did not. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it did not feel good. Mm-hmm. And so there's no representation in media, at least that I see mm-hmm. of people communicating, um, like about negotiating about their sexuality before an encounter during an encounter, mm-hmm. after after an encounter, there's no education about how our bodies work. There's like, there's your dick. Don't get an STI. Mm-hmm. Put a condom on it, and like that. That's as much as they tell you mm-hmm. in high school. Um, and then you're off. Like, oh, and also masturbation's bad. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. And so, or say some hail marys after if you do. Oh yeah, I was a Catholic. I just <laughs> yeah. had to feel. Really, I wasn't either. I just I just had to feel really bad. Yeah. But um, didn't even have the uh, didn't even have the remedy of hail. Mary's. There was no remedy. Yeah, I right. can see why they like it because they feel like right. I did this thing <laughs> and absolved. now I feel better. Yeah, it's like very formulaic, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's I like formulas. Yeah. Formulas are good. Mm-hmm. Type A, um, but. Um, so just really bad sex. You feel you feel shitty, and then there's no masturbation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like, and it's fine. Like once I deconverted and I let that go, it didn't help anything because then you're still uninformed about sexuality. All you have is, um, what media's taught you, especially like as a woman. And I, this is stuff I'm only realizing just now. Shamefully, not shamefully, unfortunately. Um, that everything that we're taught about sex as far as a woman, and I'm speaking in very cis terms right now, but like as a woman, we're very, we're supposed to be very performative. Mm. Like we're supposed to, uh, we're just like a receptacle Mm -hmm. and we're just supposed to look sexy Mm -hmm. and just to receive it. And so that's like a lot of what the sex was for me. It was just like, Oh, he's, he wants to have sex. So I guess I, I need to, perform sex for him even though it was nothing that he did it was never like him saying you need to have sex at me and i was like i guess i have to do that since Mm -hmm. you're the man it wasn't like explicit like that but anyway i divorced him and that's great um and then i i got married again um and that was fun because like new relationship energy that's great that's Mm -hmm. a really great thing and then once that you know dies down and i feel like safe and secure in a relationship shit starts popping up Yeah, like, Oh, guess what? I have some sexual repression issues that are showing up now that I'm not as excited about this relationship yeah, anymore. And absolutely. I feel super safe. Mm-hmm. So that popped up like a couple years into our relationship. 
and like such that like if he'd approach me like i would shut down like fetal position Mm. like just and i'd have to like leave the room go to the kitchen i would start sobbing Mm. just like clinging to the counter just like heaving Mm. and this would happen a lot and I was like, okay, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. So already you're seeing probably why I like to talk about sexuality because Mm -hmm. it's very important um, and it can fuck with someone. Yeah. And um, so like that kind of began a time of me trying to figure out what the fuck was going on with me. Like I saw like, uh, like sexual health doctors and like a sexual therapist and like, Nothing really helped, and I think that's because no one considered how religion played into, like, the sexual trauma Mm. of, like, informing how one views sex. Moreover, no one really approached the topic of, like, the misogyny part of it, of, um, of, of a woman having to be performative. Yeah. And there was no education around communication, about sex yeah. at all. And I think another issue I have with sex in our culture is that um, women are, we in many ways are, are um, expected to tend to the feelings of men, to protect yeah. the feelings of men. Mm-hmm. Um, we are raised in a way on average that makes us it results in us being more emotionally like we manage our emotions better because it's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're, it's expected that girls, girls are going to be emotional at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like, it's right. expected on average. It's expected. It's normal. Girls cry, mm-hmm. you know, boys don't cry. No, of course not. You know, boys don't talk about their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we have better odds of developing into someone who can, manage our emotions where, and then, but but then (laughs) in the misogynist culture, we're supposed to be these peacekeepers within the household. And we're supposed to like, uh, I don't know, help the man and his feelings or some shit like that. Mm. Um, So it makes it into this, uh, not a great scenario for communication within sexual relationships. Um, And so that was a huge problem that I was hitting. Like I want to talk about this, but I don't want to hurt his feelings it just got really complicated. Um, and there just had been too much time of me just like performing sex for him. And so eventually we just stopped having sex. Yeah. Despite the fact that like he's an amazing man and I love him so much. Like this was just an issue. Yeah. And um, this is a very long story, but I don't care. It's no. a really good story. No, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so ultimately in like 2016, we started talking about non-monogamy. Okay. Um, Cause I met this dude and he was like hot and I love talking to him and I was like, it would be pretty great to like, just like have sex with him. And I told my husband and he's like, so just like last week you were crying in the kitchen mm-hmm. when I wanted to have sex with you and now you want to have sex with this guy. I'm like, Yeah. yeah that's Mm -hmm. happening i don't know why it's happening yeah and so that conversation kind of evolved into like 
just this larger conversation that we're having about how I was raised in the purity culture stuff and like the fear of, of those that I was interested in, um, if not pursuing that of having low self-esteem, um, and kind of getting to the point where I was like, I don't see any reason against it. Like even atheists are on average against polyamory. Sure. Like I have not run into a lot of people who don't judge me, at least initially, or assume certain things, at least along the way, about who I am and how I identify and how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in atheism, there's a monogamous-centric way of viewing things, mm-hmm. which I guess makes sense, um, unfortunately. But um, So we read books, like because I like to research stuff beforehand mm-hmm. and like know what I'm getting into. And I was like, yeah, I don't see any point in not doing this. And I feel like I'm well-read now. And I think I could gain to learn a lot mm-hmm. by being able to date some people and to understand my sexuality better mm-hmm. um, outside of the confines of this marriage. So we opened up our relationship two and a half years ago now. Mm-hmm. And ended up calling ourselves polyamorous Mm -hmm. and I have learned so much from doing this. Mm -hmm. Like it's been so helpful and that there's like no way I could go back now. What's the distinction between uh, an open relationship and a polyamorous relationship? Um, so what we have versus sex thing or what? So it's more like a square rectangle kind of thing. Like an open relationship is what we're doing. Mm -hmm but it's also defined as polyamorous. Mm -hmm. So like open relationship only means just strictly means um, that you don't just have sex with each other. Mm -hmm. It could include other details, but that's at least what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, And then polyamorous is, is you have sex with other people other than just the two of you, but you are also they're They're loving. Yeah. Romantic. It's an emotional component on average. Yeah. There's a Uh committed relationship, you know, like not not all polyamorous people are sexual. There's asexual people who are polyamorous. So mm. there is not. It's oh, not. Okay. Yeah. See, it's that makes sense. it's very complicated. Yeah. There's different assets of our identities, our sexual identities, romantic ide- identities, things like that. So, yeah. um, but uh, yeah. So that's the difference between those two words. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's informative. Yes. Yeah. Because I've been um, in an open relationship. Yeah. Um, and also, just so you know, I'm. I would say I'm cl- like in terms are always weird. Yeah. But I would say I'm mostly uh, heteroromantic and sometimes bisexual. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and um, it, again, it's like that you can't encompass or you, you can't fully define. Yeah. But I'd say that that would probably be the, the terms I'm most comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but, but then also I've very recently been in a situation where I was uh, dating a woman who wanted to be able to, in her terms, be open, but that meant that she could uh, have other sexual encounters but was fully uncomfortable with me also yeah, having this thing. Yeah, that's not okay. I, I, I'm honestly asking you because she's like, I, I've been in this situation before and other people are okay with it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Good for them. That's fine, but like, I don't feel like that's fair. That's not a two-way street. Am mm-hmm. I? No, you're totally okay. right. Okay. Like, she... she can present that to you and mm-hmm. say, this is the situation that I would like to mm-hmm. have. And then you can say, nope, 
that yeah. doesn't work for me right. because I would also want to be able to have additional relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, fair or not fair, it's contingent upon what do you want. Right. Like if you were amenable right. to it, it's mm-hmm. fair because fair. you yeah, both agree to yeah. it. It doesn't so. have to be exactly a mirror no. situation. Of, Just whatever yeah. works for you guys. Right. As long as you're open and honest about what you want. Mm-hmm. Everything that's that's the great thing about open relationships or poly or whatever you get to define it yourself, mm-hmm. but you need to be ethical about mm-hmm. it and you need to be really communicative and clear about right. it. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's interesting too because obviously I feel like uh, like terms like cheating. I don't think I think that, that those are important terms, yeah. but then at the same time, um, I think that that implies obviously an emotional component and things like that where where it's like you have to be open and honest and clear about what are the what, what, what are the terms what here is, yeah like cheating is arbitrary the yeah. word cheating is arbitrary right, right, right. but I, but i feel like that there is value in it in that if it's like if you are lying or if you are um being deceptive or or not communicating what what the rules are here yeah you know as we learn more about and and become more comfortable with sexuality which obviously hope hopefully as humanity progresses people are learning more and becoming yeah. more open-minded and things like that but then if you're not communicating where you're at then that then things just get sticky and yeah and, and get tangled up i think yeah i mean poly or living in open in an open relationship or being ethically non-monogamous is not like ethically non-monogamous ethically non-monogamous yeah. is another really good right. phrase um it's not easy it's harder Mm. than a monogamous escalator relationship uh, or a marriage or whatever it is harder Mm. Um, because in a marriage I'm saying things that are not 100% true but on average like things are expected. You just assume things. It's just a lot easier because you know mm. what's expected. You you've signed up for this. Mm. It's this like predefined. Kind of. Say? I mean, okay. yeah. And that's that's the that's the gist of the phrase uh, relationship escalator. Mm-hmm. Because if you get on the next step, you're going to go to the next step, and everything is determined for you. You know, like you get into a relationship, it's expected that next you're going to talk about are we boyfriend and girlfriend? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then next we're going to talk about. You know, do we move in together? Next, we talk about are we getting a dog? Next, we talk about are we getting married? Next, we talk (laughs) about you know meeting family. Next, Mm -hmm. we talk about having kids. Next, we talk about you know retiring together. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of steps that are assumed in a monogamous relationship, which in a way makes it easier Mm -hmm. because there's expectations whether Mm -hmm. they're spoken or not about how things are going to progress. Yep. Whereas in poly or ethical non-monogamy. There's a lot more communication that needs to happen because mm. you really are designing it yourself and that requires you to know yourself. It requires you to be self-aware, be emotionally intelligent, be able to communicate that. So you need to be interpersonally uh, articulate um, and you need to have a pretty good sense of boundaries like what is it appropriate for me to ask of a partner? What is appropriate mm. for me to say no to? Yeah. Like the way I see it, my husband's body, it's none of my business. He can do what with it, whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. If he goes and has it like hooked up with someone tonight, he could do that. Right. I don't control him. I would be uncomfortable with that because he would jeopardize my sexual health because we've not talked about that as being a scenario. We've talked about, you know, getting tests and stuff. So that's not a part of our structure. But, um, if he did that, yeah, I would, he has the autonomy to do that. And then likewise, I have the autonomy to decide how I want to respond mm. to that. 
Wow, that's really well put. Right. So, yeah, and I could react to that in a lot of different ways, but I, having an open, whatever, I'm just going to call it poly for the sake okay, of... Okay, sure, sure. You, but you, you define these terms, and so... Yeah, I mean, like, non-ethical monogamy, like, it... it, it, it um, it's really, it's fun in that way because you really like ethical. I'm sorry, ethical non-monogamy. I think you said non-ethical monogamy. Did I really? I was like, well, this is a new term. I haven't thought of. No, not ethical. Non-ethical monogamy. monogamy. That would be interesting. How do we parse that one out? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if like they don't want you to masturbate and you do, <laughs> I think that's what that is. But I sorry. like it because you can just you can be clear about what you want, mm-hmm. and then. I mean, it's not a given. There's a lot of people who are doing poly poorly. But at least in how I'm acting it out, like I can just say, here's here's what I need. Here's what I would like. Here's what I'm looking for. And laying it out because that's appropriate for me to mm-hmm. say. Those are appropriate things for me to put boundaries out for. That's all appropriate for me to say. It's not appropriate for me to expect someone to do those things for me or to be those things for me. It's appropriate for them to then look within themselves and say, let's see, do we match? Let's see, I can match you here, here, and here. Mm. You want to have a date night twice a week? That's not going to work for me. I've got a, I've got a kid. I can only do once a week. Um, you are open to you know, uh, falling in love and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I'm open to that too. I'm not mm. looking for something casual. Mm. And you just kind of communicate and then you decide between the two of yourselves, like, can we create something together that we're comfortable with? Mm. And then you just decide together whether you want to do it or not. And then over time it evolves too. Like, mm-hmm. like that's the nice thing. That's what I really like about it. All this, like oh, I could talk about this for days. If you let me keep talking, I will keep talking about you. this. Okay. I really like talking about it. Um, cause it's so nuanced and, yeah. and, uh, like I just, I, I just love communication. I love honesty and I love setting boundaries and I love being emotionally articulate. Yes. Um, so what was I going to say? It just, it's been really, really helpful for me in terms of understanding what, what belongs to me yeah. and what belongs to other people. And mm. it's helped me to see other people as autonomous beings. And it's helped me to release a lot of the anger that I've had. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, like I recently had a, a fallout with a friend um, cause she has been really judgmental towards me and the way that I'm living my life, which Mm. is ethical, but that's apparently not enough for her. Um, And I was mad at first. And then I was like, you know what? She has the right to have the values Mm. that she has Mm -hmm. in her life. Mm -hmm. She, she's autonomous. Mm -hmm. She has autonomy over her mind and her values. She has autonomy over the people she wants to have in her life. Mm -hmm. She has autonomy over, her party and who she wants to invite to her party. And I don't have autonomy over that. She's in charge there. What I have autonomy over is how I'm going to respond to that. Do I want to stay in this relationship? Is the way she's talking about me and my life compromising or too far um, beyond the limits of what I'm comfortable with in a friendship? Mm. Like, what does my autonomy want me to do here? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of reached the point. I was like, I don't want to be in this anymore. Right. So I ended the relationship. Sure. 
super classy, mm-hmm. I would like to say, like, mm-hmm. cause I didn't lash out. I didn't blame yeah. her. It was like a lot of I statements. Like, right. I just feel like like you know, mm-hmm. I respect, I told her, I respect that you don't understand. Like yeah. you don't, that this does not align with your values. Mm-hmm. It works for me. It aligns for my values. I'm just getting to the point where I'm really uncomfortable with the judgment that I'm getting from you. So we, it's probably, we probably don't have enough in common anymore right. to be yeah. friends without being emotionally dramatic and being like, like screw that person, yeah. you know, or like, yeah. like telling all your friends like dirty details that aren't even their business, and, be, yeah. and like trying to bias everyone else's reaction within your friend group, or, or you know, whatever the circumstance which, might be. Which isn't to say that I haven't been bitching about her, uh-huh. like I have, mm-hmm. but rationally, in the way that I'm behaving yeah, towards rational. her, mm-hmm. like I respect her autonomy, and I think. The way I think about it is if you lash out at them and you're like in whatever instance, if someone has asserted themselves to you, like in this instance, my second boyfriend, uh, which his nickname is, what is it? Date boy. We call him date boy on on the things here. Um, He's going through some shit right now. Mm. And when he's going through some shit, he kind of hermits and he just wants to be by himself. Mm. And that really hurts for me because mm-hmm. I want to see him. I want to talk to him and he shuts down and it's hard not to take that personally. Mm-hmm. And I find it easier to manage when I remember that he's autonomous, that he has mm-hmm. this choice to decide mm-hmm. who like he's managing his energy right now. Yeah. He's managing his stress and that this is not personal and he has yeah. the autonomy to make those exactly. decisions. And I could his emotions out. aren't necessarily a reflection how, or how he treats you when he's experiencing something doesn't necessarily have to be directly related with how he feels yeah. towards you. Yeah. No, he's I, allowed to have his own feelings yeah. and his own emotions and reactions. And that's something that's hard for me to swallow. Yeah. I have to remind myself of that a lot of times because I'll take things personally and be like, well, why didn't you know, why did you say that to me or why didn't you, you know, communicate with me? It doesn't, that's being selfish for me to even yeah. ask that question. It doesn't have to do with me and it doesn't have to have to do with choice. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. And that's, I think that's what I feel like if I, my emotions, want to yell at him mm. want to just like grab him and be like why won't you see me like i want to see you i want to hang out with you i miss talking to you i miss being with you and i want to yell at him and be like you don't fucking care about me you don't love me or whatever but like this whole thing about autonomy and in and, and honoring people's autonomy when when if i were to do that to him lash out yeah i think that that is a direct a direct way of saying that you're saying no to their autonomy you're, you're denying that they have autonomy mm. by lashing out you're saying no i don't like the way that you've chosen deliberately right. how to live your life mm. i'm angry right. because you're not living it the way i want to because yeah. i want to be in charge right. of what you're doing uh-huh. with your body and your time right and that's what you're saying you're saying i want my i want my um i want to be in charge of you yeah that's where that anger is coming from at least the way that i see it and so that's been, this has been something I've been learning, I don't know, like just over the last six months or something, mm. just this kind of honoring of other people's autonomy and, and then just bringing it back to you. Yeah. Like this is now your responsibility of how you're going to respond to this and, and you need to take care of yourself now. So like right now I feel very like like super bummed out like I really want to see him and I'm trying to honor the fact that he needs to hermit right now he's going through some shit this is an appropriate thing for him to do so now what now what do I do I have to take care of myself I'm I'm disappointed because he can't be nurturing towards me or whatever and spend time with me so 
It's not his responsibility. Right. Yep. There it is. So now it's on me. Mm-hmm. And being angry at him that he's not scratching my itch doesn't help anything. Like sure. now it's my responsibility to give myself what I need. And so I've been gardening this weekend <laughs> and just like, you know, I've got some spray paint on my hands because I've been spray painting shit and planting shit. And What's that bandit on your finger from? Oh, it's just a cut on my finger. Mm. It's a dinosaur. Non-gardening related. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. It is hard. Yeah. yeah. But then I think coming to terms with that approach of like, and I've benefited a lot from that. I should have offered you a water. I'm sorry. I'm no, I you, brought you my brought water your, yeah, so you wouldn't have to worry about it. I'm sorry it. about that. Um, but yeah, like I think it's it, vodka. <laughs> Just kidding. I have gotcha. to drive. <laughs> I think though, uh, yeah, coming to that place, and it does it does take work. It is hard, but coming to that place of being like, like if even when I am with like communicating with either romantic partners or just friends, and maybe sometimes I'll go off and get emotional, hmm. but then I can pride myself in the fact that I am at a point in life now where every time that happens, I can be like, that was irrational. I'll communicate that to them, yeah, and say that was irrational and immature of me. I fully own that, and I fully apologize. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to default back to to ration. Yeah, you know, and 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 back to um, saying that you. Know, I am an emotional being. I'm very emotional. I, I get emotional about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, being like, to the extent that I will forgive myself for being emotional, I will I will fully invest in putting effort into doing that to other to other people. You know, and to saying I'm going to own my stuff. I, I hope that you own your stuff as well. And if you don't, then I am going to respond to that and communicate that yeah. to you, you know. And um, and it's also kind of hard to separate these standards and a lot of times maybe the, the over-expectations that you hold for yourself yeah. from the, the way that you expect that from other people. But I think that, like you said, I, I like this buzzword of yours, autonomy. Yeah. You know, that's a, it's a, that's a great term. Um you know, saying that if if you're not if you're not valuing um, logic to the extent that I am, or, or even in the way that I define it, that's that's you and that's fine. But I'm going to fully communicate at the very least, you know, and, and be honest about yeah. about why I'm reacting, how I'm reacting, and and my needs even. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you owe me anything to meet those needs. Mm-mm. You know, but like they're they're still my needs, and I'm still going to express them. Yeah. yeah, nobody knows, nobody owes us anything. Yeah, that's something I wrote down the other day as I was kind of processing all this stuff. He doesn't owe me right. shit. Yeah. So if I'm disappointed, mm-hmm. then you're disappointed. Yeah. Then I need to yeah. think about like. So I think you know is I have to ask myself. Okay, is this pain worth it? Mm. Like, can can I manage this? Like. Somebody might say, like, I can't handle this. I I feel like it gives me bad feelings when my partner doesn't want to talk to me mm. for days at a time. Like, And it does. It does. It's hard not to internalize that, even though it doesn't have to do with me. Um, and someone might say, yeah, I, I can't. I can't handle these times that you're hermiting for. It hurts too much. But guess what? That's not his fault. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's right. you and how you're internalizing and whether you're someone who ruminates, whether you're somebody who has a lot of negative uh, feedback loops, whether, you know, how 
competent you feel with managing your feelings and the way that you're interpreting things. So right now I'm like, can I deal with this? Yes, I think I can. It's really uncomfortable. Mm. How I feel right now is not his fault. It, he he does not own that. Um, and so I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Like he's going through some shit and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Mm. I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but like that's one of the nice things about non-monogamy. Like relationships can change. Yeah. Like if he needs time to not be emotionally invested with me, that's not a deal breaker. Like it hurts, but it's not a deal breaker because I wasn't on an escalator Mm. with him. I'm not trying to go anywhere. I I just like Mm. him. Mm. And if he needs, you know, some time for himself, like as long as like our relationship is still generally solid, like I look forward to managing my emotions around that. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I like about Polly. I'm like, this is going to fuck me up. Mm -hmm. Like the shit, like the insecurity it brings up for me fucks with me. And I love it because Mm. then I can know myself better and become stronger. Like we haven't even talked about jealousy yet. Like that's fucking Mm -hmm. hard. Like when my husband started dating, mm, yeah, Mm-mm. And that's where it was really helpful again to own my feelings. Like if ever I felt insecure about something, it was never like, how dare you? Like you love her more than me. You think she's hotter than me. And like, I hear a lot of like a lot of people reach out to me about poly stuff and they're like, Oh my God, can I talk to you about mm-hmm. poly stuff? And like, there's a lot of women who feel that way. They feel really insecure. Yeah. Um, and I did too, but also it's not his, shit to own Mm -hmm. like we signed up for this we agreed to this this is this is his body he owns his body what i'm feeling here is still legitimate Mm -hmm. it still needs to be managed and it's not his shit it's Mm -hmm. not his shit it's my shit and so it ended up being like that like managing jealousy brought me to a place where i actually loved myself more because like she was like this he has one girlfriend and they've been together for almost a year and a half and but she is like this um, the epitome of what I think I'm supposed to be as a woman. Like she's got like long hair and she wears makeup and she wears like low cut dresses and short dresses and high heels. And she has no problems talking about like masturbating in front of anyone or talking about penises and like much more explicit and personal stuff than I've been bringing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I feel like that's what men want. And so when they started dating, I was like, mm, triggered. Oh yeah. And she's like hella horny all the time. Super horny. Mm-hmm. And obviously like I told you, like the, the shit that I'm carrying with me, like there's some messiness there. Sure. And so like, I felt really insecure. Like, oh yeah, he, he's going to leave me because now she, he's got this, this epitome of wow. womanhood and she's just hot, hot to trot. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no reason for me anymore. And like, that was really, really hard to deal Mm. with. And I, I managed it pretty fucking well. And like, it took a year and I did a lot of therapy and actually I talked to her a lot about it, which was nice. And, um, yeah, it was really stressful, but in the end, like I got to a place, like it almost happened overnight. Like I was hanging out with her and I was just like kind of watching how she acted and it kind of dawned on me. I don't want to be her. 
Yeah. Like I, I'm okay with me. Like listeners who don't see me, like I've got, I'm super comfy right now. Like I've got <laughs> jeans on. I've got this big black hoodie from Black Nonbelievers that I bought from Indisa Thomas, who I met a couple of weeks ago, oh, cool. who's badass. And like I've got super short hair, like a pixie cut, and lots of people think I'm lesbian. And I don't talk in a way like a woman's supposed to talk. Mm. Like I'm dominating this conversation, and you're a white man. Like mm-hmm. like I uh, nothing about me is what women are supposed to be and but it was last year when i just kind of realized but i that's i'm i want to be that mm-hmm. though and like right. and if if someone is doesn't find that attractive they can fuck off yeah because mm-hmm. i'm not uh, being attractive is not my rent that i have to pay on yeah. earth you yeah. know and even can I tell you something like that, that language, whenever someone says I'm not, or I'm supposed to be here in life now, yeah. or like, I'm not supposed to be, I, I just always say, who the fuck told you? Like who put this bug in? And like, that's just how I think. No, so, like you're not a fully blank slate. Like, and yeah. I don't say that to be aggressive towards no, no, you. No. It just, it's something where I'm just always like, I'm not mad at, I'm not reacting negatively to that person saying that I'm reacting negatively to whoever the fuck told you, you have to wear makeup or you have to be this yeah. or that. You know, it's like, who, show me this motherfucker who told you supposed to this and this and that. Right. And I understand your anger, yeah. but I also need you to, to realize that it's everywhere. Yeah. Like everyone yeah, 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 yeah. is telling us like, and I'm not trying to again, fault you. Yeah. No, 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 okay. no, I know that. I just, I just want you to have that awareness okay. of what women mm. experience from all directions mm-hmm. um, about what standards we're supposed to meet. And, in that, and that's been something I've been unpacking with this new boyfriend I have, uh, who I've been dating since November. Um, Cause like he's into thick thighs, like legit into thick thighs. Mm -hmm. And so like, he likes me and like, like legit, it's not like he like lowered his standards or anything. Like, like I am literally the thing that he thinks about before he even met me. Like, this is the body Mm -hmm. that I like. And I'm like, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Like you can, (laughs) you like, he's like, yeah, like dudes like all kinds of bodies. They're not allowed to. Right. But they do, and sure. again, I'm I'm talking very cis hetero terms right now. But but they're they're that's the other problem. Like men are fed this message that you're supposed to like this one type of woman, and yeah. if you don't, again, cis cis het. But if you don't like this one kind of woman, you're not supposed to admit it. Like, yeah, because then you're gonna get shamed mm-hmm. by your bros potentially i could be just making now i'm talking in your territory so like you know better than me but like that's the impression that i get no absolutely yeah and i'm i'm attracted uh i guess the 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 phrase would be like you know bbw i'm mm-hmm. attracted you know to to juicy juicy bodies <laughs> but um i hope that's not an offensive term to use but uh and yeah it took me like a long for a long time i i would I was ashamed to admit, like, I don't, I'm not attracted to a, a, a Barbie body with a bunch of makeup on it and things yeah. like that, which is, again, it's fine. And, and now as, as a cisgendered white guy, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm complaining about the social standards that I have to come to terms with or whatever, but, it, but just to respond to specifically what you're saying, yeah, there is, there are expectations around that and, yeah. and weird shame, but it's not a big fucking deal. Like. And and uh, and it's probably a good thing that that things are moving in a direction like I think honestly like porn sites and things like that and 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 people like it almost creates a community where it's like oh there's other people who are into the things that I'm into you know yeah yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot more variety out there now too. They're changing some of the words like, uh, um, what was the one site that had, um, what's that one word that they use for trans people? That's just terrible. Mm. Uh, like, uh, shit. It's the word that they use in the Philippines. There's some kind of word that, yeah, Mm. like, I don't know. That was a dead end, but I just know that they updated it. Like, wait, like, like they use in like Korea and stuff too, or Mm, I don't know. I just, I don't want to say the word even that I'm thinking of. Why is it just like lady boys? Yes. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. That there used to be like a category. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't remember what site it was that they called it lady boy, but really it's chance. Yeah. Trans people. And I guess they updated that Mm -hmm. on some site recently, which I was like, okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's why porn bothers me too. And I can't watch porn because like I, I make film. Oh, cool. So like I can't watch it cause I'm just like, yeah, the lighting's really bad. <laughs> that's a horrible angle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't even hear the audio yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I do like to most things that I watch. Mm-hmm. I just think about how they made them and I'd like forget to like actually follow the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, story based. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, that's a whole nother conversation. There's, there are obviously a lot of problems. I was just speaking specifically about the creation of communities that validate things. I'm, and I'll say that, and I'm not saying this even to be defensive cause I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I'm mm. not a, a big fan of porn at all, you know, but I'm not, again, I'm not saying that to be defensive, but I'm, mm. I'm just saying that to put into context that I'm referring more specific and I, maybe I, I am being a little bit defensive, but uh, I'm just saying more specifically, just that, like the creation of communities who validate each other, I think, is really important in realizing yeah. I'm not, I'm not weird. I'm I'm not the majority, but that doesn't mean that I'm that, that I'm wrong or that I'm something that I shouldn't be. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. Um, yeah. Porn. <laughs> um, oh yeah 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 yeah. I went to. Have you heard of uh, the Hump Festival? No. Uh-uh. Dan Savage uh-huh. um, started a, a film festival 10 years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. called the Hump Festival. And it's amateur porn, even though not all of it's actually like porn. Some of it's just like they're naked while they do something or they it. some of it doesn't even have any porn at all. It's just like talking about sex. Mm. And there's just these beautiful films that people submitted for the festival and some are just like straight up fucking hilarious. Like there was one um, that was just like a slow pan across like uh, like ten uh, people with penises, and it was in slow motion, and they were all just like like helicoptering. The hel- yeah, they were helicoptering, <laughs> and it was all in slow motion, and they're just panning across it, and you could just see like the variety and penises and it didn't have to be sexualized. Mm-hmm. It was just like, here's a bunch of dicks mm-hmm. and here's the different, uh, manifestations of pubes. And like, it was just kind of this, just like, Hey, and that was it. Like that was mm-hmm. it. It was just this slow motion helicopter <laughs> thing across a bunch of dicks. And that was one of the films. Uh-huh. Probably the cheapest helicopter shot that's ever been done. There. Some of these are super cheap, like cheap, cheap films, but they're beautiful. And there was this other film that was uh, made by this couple that was experimenting with fire. I don't know what you call it, fire play or whatever. Okay, yeah. I know what you're referring to. I'm not sure what the term is. Yeah, yeah I think it's probably fire play. Um, and it was like, 
it was so intimate because there was no there was no music soundtrack. It was just them talking. She she was very clearly nervous, and she was you know like ah like and like as they light this thing that's going across her chest oh. and down yeah, and it it was it was the endearing part was them talking back and forth. Is, is there like are you okay? Like oh wow do cool this? like yeah. it, just the communication that went on. It was just so real like that. Like if there's porn, that's porn. Like that's real sex. Like mm, the, the, yeah, the, right, the, right, the right. intimacy between mm-hmm. that that couple and the communication that they had as they were experimenting with something new and the, wow. the ongoing consent and um, experimentation with it. Like that was what was really endearing. That's cool. Um, that was one of my favorite films. But yeah, that that's another. That's a fantastic festival. It comes through Minneapolis once a year. Awesome. Um, I think it comes through in September. Is it Humpfest? Humpfest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's Dan Savage. I was actually, it's funny that you brought up film because I was actually going to ask you this earlier. Uh, are you a fan of Joe Swanberg at all? I've never heard of him. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. So he's, you know, Mumblecore? Nope. Films? Okay. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of realist. It's kind of, I, maybe it has this roots in like some like French cinematography type of stuff, but it's okay. like really kind of, um, really raw filmmaking. None of the dialogue is ever scripted. Okay. It's all fully improvised. So a lot of it is kind of stunted and awkward. Huh. Um, but he has, do you, do you watch Netflix at all? Yeah. He has a show on Netflix called easy that as oh, far, yeah, I watch easy. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. He, that's his show. No way. Yeah, yeah. 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 I knew that a lot of that is improvised. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think all the dialogue, all of it, I'm pretty sure all, all of his films, the dialogue is fully improvised. I, obviously like there's, there is, I don't know if you'd even call it a script, but you know, he writes out like the, the plot general, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the direction of the scene and things like that. But, um, have you seen like the most recent season? Um, I'm up to the, I, I, I caught up to the part where, um, that one main couple, um, spoiler alert yeah, becomes good. Polly. Yes. Yeah. And so that's like, what, what kind of made me think of that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched cause my co-host was like, dude, have you seen this episode on mm-hmm. easy yet? Like it's about Polly. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. So I just watched that one where they're talking at the bar and just yeah. like having a real heart to heart. And I watched that and I was like, that's the last episode of the most recent season actually. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And you don't have to watch the episodes. They are not dependent on each other. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That was very moving. And I was, I was wondering, I was like, this is so real. Like mm-hmm. they're such good actors. And then cast was like, Oh no, it's all improvised. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah. Which, okay. Like, yeah, it's so well cast and everyone's so talented in that show. Mm-hmm. And there's something else that, uh, that you said that reminded me of it because I was thinking like Marie would love this show, but there's uh, there's another episode um, between uh, a couple where I don't I don't want to like go into too much detail because um, I don't, don't want to spoil anything at all. But uh, essentially, it's there's a conversation that's pretty much exactly what we were talking about about autonomy and, and mm-hmm. owning the fact that like people are allowed to have private thoughts that don't necessarily have to, I don't have to internalize that and assume that it to selfishly assume that is a reflection on how they feel about me. Yeah. You know, like people, people are allowed to, to hopefully own themselves. And even if they don't own it, they they can still have private thoughts that I don't, I don't have to react or I don't have to get carried away with emotional reactions to those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which episode that is, but yeah, that's a good show. Mm-hmm. I, I like how they portray well that couple. I, I don't like what she did. 
she ended up getting involved with like a married guy yeah, right, in a right, non-ethical right. situation. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I, I don't think, think you're supposed to necessarily be rooting for her in that yeah. situation though. No. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're trying to sell it that way. Yeah. Like, Hey, this is fun. Uh-huh. Or that I don't think they're trying to make Polly yeah. look bad. Either. Right. No, not at all. Yeah. But, yeah. It's just like a, it's just a, a real portrait, you know, of, of two people interacting with each other. And it's very nuanced, very complicated. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like you said, it's, it's, it's harder. I think it's, it was that how it's you phrased much it. Harder, yeah. yeah. To be, uh-huh. to Polly. Yeah. 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 I really liked his character, the main guy. I don't remember his name. I can't remember his name either. With the, he's blonde and has like a goatee thing going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. But like his characters, uh, like I related to him a lot. Like he's super good at, he's good at Polly. Like mm-hmm. he's very communicative. He's, he was really good at like setting mm-hmm. boundaries and stuff. I, I, I really saw myself in him, mm. but, um, yeah, no, that was a really good show. Yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not even sponsoring this episode. <laughs> all that money that we're not going to get from them uh-huh. because of all the listeners. Right. As right. a fellow podcaster, I'm, that, it kind of makes me think, I, do you guys have any sponsors? No, no. It's so hard to do, right? It's hard to monetize podcasting. Every time Cass and I talk about it, it's just like, eh, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, uh-huh. and like we're just we're just never gonna. I think we like we probably don't make any money at all from the show. Yeah, like we've got Patreon people, mm, and like mm-hmm. we get maybe like three hundred a month or something, but that like covers the bills, right? Of like having a bad. website, it's not bad. That's we not have, bad at all. Uh, episodes we get probably about sixteen hundred downloads per episode. Nice. I would think af- after it's been live for about three months or so. Okay. That's about how how, cool. how high it hits, but yeah. So like, I'm just happy that people listen. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, like, I mean, our, our show is obviously very niche. Like, we don't mm-hmm. explore like a lot of topics outside of deconversions and yeah. stuff. And but I, one thing that's true for me is that I I don't I'm not invested in seeing the number constantly going up Mm -hmm. like i I do want to talk about the show so that people who want to hear it can hear it yeah and i also want people to stop listening when they're done Mm -hmm. because a lot of people get done and they just they're i'm good like i really don't need to process this anymore yeah and i they don't need to like they don't need to feel bad about like if they know me personally they're Mm -hmm. like i don't want to listen to the show anymore yeah that's Move on, live mm-hmm. your life. Yeah, right. I'm still angry, uh-huh. so I'm going to be here talking some more. <laughs> I'm still angry. Yeah, so I think this is just going to keep happening. Uh-huh. But yeah, like that's that's how I see our show. Like mm-hmm. it's never meant to just grow indefinitely. Mm-hmm. It's just meant to be there as a resource for people. For sure. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to approach it. Yeah. Do you think that? Um, and this is a very interviewee type question. Ooh. Yeah, but uh, do you think that you're? Um, that your relationship with, uh, that your maybe that your worldview regarding the lack of existence of God, or like, or, or even just regarding religion, and your relationship with uh, the concept of sexuality, do you think that those are conclusions that you would have arrived on, or, or even that the anger or that your your emotional reactions to either of those things, do you think that that's fully dependent on your conditioning and your background and stuff like that? Like, I, I'm not asking. Would you believe in God? But like, would would the term God even be in your head? Like, would you be angry at God or at the or not God? Like, you would at the church or at um at at, at religious institutions or, or if you were presented with the concept of religion, do you think you'd have the same reaction that you do now as a blank slate, or is it is it fully a reaction to your conditioning? That's a really abstract abstract question, but 
I guess I'm asking, would you be, how about this? Would you be, do you think you'd be poly without oh, the bag, or I don't want to say baggage, but without the, um, got it, got it. Does that yeah. make any sense? Did I articulate that? No, at I understand all? what you're saying okay. now. Like, would you have arrived? Would I would have, arrived have arrived where you're at to the place that I'm yeah. at with sexuality, which is mildly fringy, without the antagonism of Christianity's puritanical culture? There it is. Well, yes, Thank Marie. You for- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking that question, Marie. You're welcome, Marie. <laughs> I'm just gonna. This is gonna be an awkward point where I just I. Word for words, ask the question that you just asked. I'm going to re-record it after you leave. And then just like dip it down so it like yeah. sounds like your voice. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, have a hard, I, have, I, I have a hard time uh, putting words together sometimes, so no, thank you for helping legit, me. Legit, yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty good at trying to restructure this, so that <laughs> yeah. totally works. Thank you. Um, would this have happened had I not been treated like shit in religion? There it is, there it is. Um Putting into your own vocabulary, I like that. That's, what? Yeah, usually my vocabulary includes swear words. No, I'm, I don't mean that specifically. I just oh no, mean, I'm just laughing because that's I just yeah. like swearing a lot. Yeah. Um, I fucking hate swearing. J- fuck right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Ugh, it's the worst. Um. Um. I don't. I don't know the answer. Yeah. To that, I probably not. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't think if I had not been fed purity culture, mm-hmm. I still would have deconverted. But if I had not been fed purity culture, I might have had a healthier view of sexuality, and that would have been enough. Yeah, like sufficient enough mm-hmm. that I would have probably just been okay with whatever relationship I ended up mm-hmm. in. Um. Yeah, I don't think I would yeah. be here mm-hmm. were it not for Jesus. So, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. If he wasn't your ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> who was never real to begin with. Yeah, wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. yeah no, I don't think so. That's an interesting mm-hmm. question, but I never really thought about it. Yeah. So I feel like a lot, for my in my experience, I can say that this is true for me. I've noticed patterns where it's like, oh, I'm attracted to that thing maybe because it's a reaction to something in my past, you know, or, and maybe I'm getting a little bit Freudian or whatever, but I feel like there is no, I mean, so I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, Mm -hmm. but that was 10 years ago. Still, however, none of us are blank slates. Okay. Not even from the day that we're born. So there is no like, no, there's nothing affecting me. I'm actually responding to this out of, Mm-hmm. Out of what? Like out of your blank slateness? No, you're not a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You never were. You've got, at the very least, you're born with all these genetics that are informing right. you. And then yeah, you're yeah, conditioned yeah. from day mm-hmm. one, the way that you were born. Mm-hmm. You're or you have hormones. From, that another, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, everything is feeding into everything. There is no, like, no, I just, this is who I am at mm-hmm. my core. Nah, like we're, yeah, this is a discussion about, kind of about free will. Yeah, or right? nature but versus on a nurture biological, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but on a, uh-huh. like a biological yeah, 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 level. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Asked and answered. Yes. So no, no, I would not. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm but I'm happy to be here mm-hmm. and I'm always looking for the next thing to destroy. Mm-hmm. So I don't nice. know what that's going to be. Hmm. What all have you successfully destroyed thus far? Religion. Mm-hmm. Um, serving the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, giving a fuck about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've 
I don't know. What are you working on destroying that you haven't destroyed yet? <sighs> That's an interview question. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess related to sexuality, I haven't figured out how to rebuild Mm. uh, with my husband. Like we had the shit that we went through and then we've stopped being sexually intimate with each other. And I just have never heard of anyone else being in this situation before of being like, Hey, you know the sex that we're having? It's no, let's just stop it. We're just going to stop it and we're going to start over. Mm. Like, Mm. I don't know who's done that. Like, with someone you've been with for how long have I known him? Almost 10 years. Mm. Um, Mm. It's a new adventure and I don't really know how we're going to do it. But as I've said in other on other platforms, we are burning it to the ground. Mm -hmm. Just burn it all to the ground. Yeah starting from scratch and the best thing I could think of is just kind of reading some books together, like some basic, like, uh, books about sex and communication, because that's what we need Mm -hmm. to work on because Mm -hmm. we were never communicative. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I'm learning with my boyfriend, uh, date boy that is essential. Mm -hmm. Like I just can't just, some people like to go into sex and just be like, and they just like they're very intuitive and animalistic and they just kind of do what feels right and they have no problem saying or like signaling or just doing what they want to do and it's very intuitive not me like no like i need to talk it to death sure just talk it to fucking death Mm. and he's that is not something that he's made for so like yeah that's something i still figuring out and i'm Mm. also still i'm still trying to figure out what i want to be when i grow up (laughs) yeah because like Mm -hmm. my 40 hour job thing is not fulfilling Mm. and ever since i got involved in the show in november i can't even tell you like conversations like this are just um so satisfying to me and life giving to me. Like I'm going to be on a high for like the rest of the day because I got to talk about sex and death for a while. (laughs) Like this, this is what I made for to have these conversations. Like you're good. You're great at it. Well, that's because I'm only, I'm talking by myself, (laughs) like dominating you, but, but you're interviewing me. So yeah, exactly. It was different. I would let you talk. That's the format. This is true. This is true. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know what to do with this. Like finding out that I have a strong voice about this when I haven't had a voice Mm. before that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I could use my voice. I didn't feel like I had anything to say that was helpful to anyone. And then I got on the show and it turns out I have a lot to say Mm. and it turns out that people really resound with it. It turns out that some of the things that I'm learning are challenging a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas I thought I was just a fuck up just trying to survive. And now people are like, no, you inspire me. And I'm like, what mm. the fuck is happening yeah. here? Like my world is being t- like turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just feeling like, I, I just don't think I can go into work every day and just like schedule appointments for yeah. 40 hours a right. week. Like, how can I do this full right. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, see, that's where the, the sponsors come in. I guess. See, that's the problem. I guess. That's the problem that, that we face as podcasters. That fucking work. I know. I know. I mean, who's going to pay me to talk about sex and death? Like, really? Like, what sponsor is going to do that? 
There's that like Adam and Eve sponsor I hear in some podcasts. It's like some like sex toys and stuff. I don't know. Do you own? Um, are you comfortable owning the fact that that people respond to your voice? Like, are you are you comfortable being like, yeah, I am an important voice. Yeah, I do affect things. Depend- Is that hard to swallow? De- yeah, it depends on the day. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I'll be like, yeah, because I'm a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. I think about things in ways that a lot of people don't and I push through a lot of fears that a lot of people don't, which makes me mm, more intimate with the darker, tougher parts of humanity that I think a lot of people don't get to. Yeah. But then I already like when I say that, I'm like, "Eh, Mm -hmm. do I really want to like go there and just like... Like I don't think it's like this thing from religion, like where I, I don't want to come off as prideful, but mm. I also like really try to stay away from making bl- blanket statements or saying things in a black and white way. Sure. So I don't know. There are some. There are some people who like what I say. There are some people that don't and have stopped listening mm-hmm. because they think I'm bragging about sleeping with a married man. So. I don't know. Some people like it. Some people don't. Yeah. And I'm glad that some people like it. It feels good mm-hmm. when we get feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't like it that cast doesn't talk as much in the show anymore because I talk okay. and I'm not exactly, I'm not a sidekick. <laughs> Your co-host, not a sidekick. I'm a co-host yeah. and I have a lot to say. And so I don't know. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I think. It's yeah, you you hit a little uh, a little button, like not like not like shut up, s- mm-hmm. stop making me talk about. You this said open book. I wouldn't have even asked that question. No, yeah, you can ask whatever you want, but yeah, it's um, I'm co- yeah, it is. I think what is it called the um, faker? What is it called the thing where the complex where you're afraid that you're a, a false, that you're a faker. I don't know. No, it's fuck. Somebody's gonna. Someone's listening in their car a week from Screaming now, it. being like, "It's called this," yeah. and I'm like, okay. "Let's make up a new word for it." How about uh, faker syndrome? Sounds good. Yeah, that'll work. Is it spelled with a ph or an f? Ph. Yeah. Said two white people. <laughs> Let's appropriate Cultural that. Appropriation, yeah, baby. take that. Woo-hoo. Also, you guys are all staying in prison, but we're gonna just take your culture. That's fun. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like talking about racism, too. Mm. That's really fun. I like talking about, yeah, because people people like to talk about racism. White people mm. like to talk about racism with their neighborhood black person yeah. or their token Very, black person. They need to not do that. Yep. They need to read a book. Mm-hmm. They need to shut up mm-hmm. and they need to listen. I agree. And just like guys shouldn't talk about, uh, I don't think I should talk about like abortion. And I love talking to men about the me too movement Yeah, because there's a lot of, you should really cut me off at any point. This is going to be a three hour long show. I got another hour. Okay. Um, I might take a cigarette break, but we can keep talking. That's fair. The, the, there's a lot of men have opened up, to me about the me too relation me too relationship me too movement because they are uncomfortable with some of it and they have questions and like 
insecurities or doubts about how it's all playing out, but they don't feel like they can say anything mm. because women will chew off their heads and just become very hostile and reactive. Yeah. And I find that dynamic really interesting. And so I've had the opportunity to talk to a handful of men who have questions or concerns or criticisms about the Me Too movement, but don't say anything because they're like, there's no way that they can, they're, 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 they just get their heads bitten off, and yeah. which is interesting and fair, kind of. It's complicated. Very com- nuanced again. Yeah, once again. it's very nuanced because women do not owe it. I, I know I'm just acknowledging again, using very cishet terms, but women do not owe it to men to explain misogyny, mm. to explain everything that Me Too encompasses, which is misogyny, which is sexual harassment, which is rape culture. It is not our responsibility to explain that. And when a man expresses ignorance about it and criticizes it, I think it's uh, one of many valid responses to bite off his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think that women owe it to men to stay cool and chill and coddle them. Mm-hmm. Um, but some women can. I'm not coddling men, but I, I do. To those who are respectful and curious, I do like to like engage them and to see you know, what they're thinking about. And usually it's just like, I don't know. They just have concerns about it, like going too far or stuff like that. Or, or, or maybe, maybe not so much about the Me Too movement, but like, well, now women just want you to ask for like permission to do like literally anything. Like you, I don't, I don't even feel safe talking to a woman anymore because I'm afraid they're going to go like ape shit because I said something mm-hmm. or I touched them or whatever. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. That's, um, I can understand where you're coming from. Also, yeah, yeah, sure. If of you course. could get consent, please, please. ask yeah. women because our—that's the problem. Like that, they're upset because now things got complicated. Mm-hmm. Where it was just assumed before that you know, all I'm all I'm doing is just touching your back. Like this is just a very friendly thing. It's obviously very friendly. We're in public. I'm just touching your back. Also, but the woman's like, I didn't say you could touch my back. This is, a, again, back to autonomy, back yeah. to things that belong to you and things that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, my body belongs to me. If I don't want to have it touched, that is the rule. Yeah. That's, that's the end of sure. the discussion. Of course. And, and so when these men are frustrated about, now they're going to have to think in nuanced terms. They're yeah. going to have to communicate. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to get consent. They're going to have to figure out a new way of being because it's been different um, up to this point. And women have not wanted it to be this way for a long time. And now now Mm -hmm. their voice is getting a lot louder Mm -hmm. um, thanks to many brave women who have come out Mm -hmm. um, and shared what has happened to them. But and those are bigger things, right? Like the Harvey Weinstein shit is obviously atrocious. Yeah. But then it gets down into the finer things. And again, this comes back full circle for me about education, about sexuality and the communication mm-hmm. there within. Like, I think men keep fucking up because none of us are educated. 
about how to treat each other consensually. I think more so now. I think in schools, we're talking more about that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, go back and watch anything in the 80s, like all the movies and stuff, mm-hmm. like the Revenge of the Nerds. There was a rape scene yeah. there that was like seen as like awesome. Mm-hmm. That's not the only example of that either. Oh, no. No. No, no, and it's it's seen as funny, like it's seen as like it's no big deal, or like that the woman is grateful because it was actually like really good sex. That's mm-hmm. what happened in the Revenge of the Nerds. Mm-hmm. She thought it was her boyfriend, and it wasn't, and then she was just like super stoked that it was really good sex or mm-hmm. something. So, yeah, the media, and that's that's rape culture. Yeah, while we get in, into the nuance of that. There's something that frustrates me, and of course I don't I don't have like this is the silliest. It's just confusing to me. So I I have just two examples. Well, I have maybe three examples where I I'm I think kind of similar to you in that I want to talk through things in a sexual experience, and that doesn't uh, turn me off in any way. If anything, that turns me on more is to know that both parties are fully engaged and into it. Yeah, um, and. So I've been frustrated. Uh, I have a friend. Uh, we were, I guess, maybe if you're going to use the term like friends with benefits, um, a young woman who uh, was very, very, um, I, you know, she would call herself very feminist and like she went to, to Oberlin College and was like very progressive and, and forward thinking and stuff. And, but then a couple of times when we would have, uh, sexual experiences together, she would be like, I just want you, like, if, if I, if I had any hesitation or, or was like, here, you know, are you cool with this? She'd be like, I just want you to just take me, like, like don't ask me. And I'm like, I, well, I'm not really comfortable with that just personally. Would but she say that while you were having sex or not, before? Not dr- like, yeah, in, in, in initiating. She'd be like, I like just take. I just want you to just to throw me down. Just take me. But when she told you that, was that while you were not in a sexual engagement? It would be like maybe I'm initiate. Like maybe I go. Like I'm kissing her. Oh, and then, yeah. See, that's not the time to talk about sex dynamics. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. But well, I'm just saying. Like, but and then this kind of ties into like I, I once had a, a similar experience with a, another uh, female who who would like want me to just like she's like would tell me before fully before him before any. Uh, engagement started happening that sh- that she would like wanted me to like to choke her and things and it's like whatever your kink is is fine but like to me it's just like I one I'm not into one I'm just going to go fully flaccid if I were to do that which again like that is a personal preference or whatever mm-hmm. which is fine but like I it's I, th- I feel like it is it is amplified by by um it's hard to disown that, to disassociate that. I think from rape culture, when when that's coming to the surface, it's like, like how, I don't know. And I, I'm just, just frustrating me. I'm not, I'm even taking a stance one way or the other. Yeah. But it's just like it, it is really nuanced, and it's like it's fine to be what into what you're into, but like asking someone to to do something that, if seen from the outside, would look like a non consensual interaction. Is just like it's not just like oh yeah I'd be into that but I but I don't want to because it looks bad it's just like that to me is just a, a turn off and of course that's a preference yeah but it has, yeah it's just I can see the dissonance for yeah. you yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's um yeah that is complicated because some people 
some women do have like rape fantasies right. or like that's kind of what I'm dancing around. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that also doesn't mean that they deserve to be raped. Right, and it also does not mean that. See the difference. The difference. There's nothing wrong with them wanting that. We can have a discussion about why they have that um, fantasy and where that comes from. But ultimately, if that's what they want and it feels good, doesn't fucking matter. Right. You're not their ther- mm-hmm. not you, but yeah, right, right, right. The partner mm-hmm. is not their therapist to try to figure out where is this coming from. Sure. Is this healthy? But if your partner says that that's what they want, that's what they want. Sure. And um, I can see how that causes dissonance as uh, a man who's trying to be an ally for women in mm-hmm. um, the Me Too movement. You're like, yeah, definitely don't rape people unless they tell you to. Yeah, like, yeah. And, yeah and, it, and there's dissonance in, in that, like like you said. But I don't know. I, I just maybe I maybe what I'm saying is I can't put myself in the mindset of a guy who uh, who apart from being like, I'm just doing this because or not even a guy, a person who is like, I'm doing this because my partner wants it and it turns me on to turn them on. Mm. I don't, I cannot just put, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just can't put myself into the mindset of someone who'd be like, yes, she wants me to choke her. I'm like, that's. Yeah. You don't have to be enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. Sex can be whatever you want it to be. There can be things that you can, that you are, um, agree to do that don't turn you on, but that you do for your partner. Mm -hmm. There could be those things also that you that disturb you so much that you don't you can't do like it sounds like you have this little line that you're not sure like if you're comfortable going there or mm-hmm. not um and you don't have to yeah well, you I, don't have to go there and i and for me every time it's been like i like that's the like i I can't do and I express that it's not like oh it's it's fucked up that you want that it's just yeah, like i can't judge, yeah. I can't do that, and that's super fair yeah, right exactly and it's good to be honest and mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with either, either of those yeah things. no I, yeah, yeah, it's just like we were talking about before, like showing up in an autonomous way where your partner would say to you what she's interested in, she puts it out, and she says, this is what I would like. Mm-hmm. And then you say, "Here's what I can put down." I'm not seeing a whole lot of overlap, right? I don't think, yeah, that no, that's good. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. not gonna, but but you were both honest with each mm-hmm. other, and and the important thing is that you don't compromise mm-hmm. on what you're really actually comfortable right. with. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's going to cause resentment and a lot of shit that I went through with yeah. my husband, basically mm-hmm. doing shit I didn't really want to do. Right, for but, sure. Yeah, that's that's a very complicated. Yeah thing right yeah mm-hmm. i could see that for sure yeah but that's i mean it's a really common kink like, yeah sure yeah mm-hmm. but and then that's that's the interesting part where it's not like you can't just go up to your partner like and be like yeah i need you to pretend to rape me tonight like things like that need a lot more talking about mm-hmm. yeah and assuming that you consent to it that you're interested in exploring it with your partner it requires a lot of talking mm-hmm. like doing that kind of thing and that's, sure. that's what i've learned a lot with this new boyfriend of mine because he's very articulate and communicative and he's more sexually experienced than i am so mm. he's had more um, opportunities to articulate these kinds of things and he's ve- he's a sex nerd like he mm. just like learns a lot about this stuff and mm-hmm. like he's just a connoisseur of sexual understanding and so like i've been under his tutelage (laughs) and been learning a lot um but yeah it does it does require a lot of communication and one thing that my therapist says why would she say this to me i can't even remember but she says that 
she asked me, who do you think is in control in a sub-dom relationship? Mm -hmm. I was like, this sounds like a trick question. Right, it does sound like a trick question. She's like, it's always the sub. Mm -hmm. The sub is always in control. Like, and that's, that's what we're talking about. Like there might be rape fantasies, but she, in this scenario, Mm -hmm. she's in charge Mm -hmm. because you've talked about it. You've talked limits. You've talked out the fantasies. Mm -hmm. You don't just do it. You, you talk about it and that's why it's consensual to fully just play devil's advocate here. And I hate, I feel gross even asking this question. Bring it. What, what if it's his rape fantasy? What if he, great to, to be the aggressor? Oh, I see. Um, I could see if a woman is not into that, that she'd feel pretty uncomfortable potentially if he brought that up. But if they are in an open and communicative relationship, there's nothing wrong with him saying that. Right? There's nothing, in my opinion, there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong because it's not rape. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's two consenting people playing a scene mm-hmm. they call it scenes like yeah, sure you, you've seen and of so. course it does like you i think you alluded to earlier um there are it, i would naturally have the reaction of having questions of like well why is that but like but again you're not their your partner's therapist you know yeah i mean are they someone who's safe do you think that they're going around raping other people mm-hmm. like there's some people who are dangerous and they're going to want to play out that fantasy but the big question is when you say yellow or red, right. do they stop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Or do they keep going? Those mm-hmm. are going to be red flags, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but you're going to pick that up on other things. Like if, if they, you just need to kind of learn if they respect boundaries, yeah. if they respect boundaries in all these other areas of your life, the odds of them respecting boundaries within a, a, play, a playful situation, mm-hmm. a rapes, a fantasy in a sexual environment is probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just kind of... As long as safe words are respected and everything like that. Yeah, like, I wouldn't... Like, if that was something I was into, I wouldn't play that out with someone I didn't really know. Like, because that requires a lot of trust and... Yeah, you just... I mean, you really have to be communicative and really trust your partner and talk things Mm -hmm. out. In my opinion, again, this is all what I think about sex. And the one thing I've learned is sex is not intrinsically something. Yeah. It's not intrinsically anything. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't need a penis. It doesn't need a vagina. It doesn't need to have a penis in a vagina. It can be whatever people want it to be as long as it's ethical and consensual. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. So that's my that's my take. I like that. Mm. Can we take a quick break and then yeah, continue this conversation? Yeah, go smoke. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell my husband that I'm not dead. Okay. That was a post-Christian podcast. 